Well, I've asked you to find uh, Genesis chapter 39. My opening text, as we continue to talk about ready, stretch, and grow, really a study in the life of Joseph, uh, is Psalms 105, verse 17 through 19. And if you're a note taker, uh, this morning's subject matter is times and seasons. Psalms 105, 17 through 19 declares, He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. There was a season of suffering for Joseph. Until what? Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. There's two words that the text brings out. There's the word or the testimony of Joseph, which is in alignment with the two dreams that God gave him when he visited him as a 17-year-old. The first dream was, was about his brothers one day would show honor and respect unto him and that he would be in a position of oversight or authority over his brothers, which was, which was really, uh, they didn't really care to hear within that culture. The oldest uh, sibling really got double honor. And so Reuben was probably uh, the most offended by that. But, you know, uh, Joseph was, you know, uh, the, one of the babies of the family. He was number 11 of 12. Uh, oh, he had Benjamin after him. And, and so, you know, when a younger sibling sort of, you know, goes to an uh, uh, older sibling and they, they say, hey, guess what? One day I'm going to be the boss of you. How's that go over in your house? I mean, all of a sudden, it's like, no, we're throwing down right now. I mean, emotions escalate and then corresponding actions could follow. Can I get a hearty amen? You know, uh, and, and then, uh, uh, you know, so that was the first word. And, and he shared that, that the second dream, the second dream was that not only would his brothers be, be uh, you know, humbled before him, his mom and dad would be dependent and humbled before him. And, and his dad really got, you know, uh, was taken back by that. Uh, you know, uh, Joseph wa- was Jacob's favorite, and and now he's saying you're returning the way that I've treated you, the way that that I brought you up, and and you're going to dishonor me and disrespect me in this manner. And and one of the most detrimental things in a home is when there's disrespect and dishonor. Can I get another hearty amen? So, you know, one of your kids, imagine, man, one of your kids comes to you and say, one of these days I'm gonna be the boss of you. Well. Whoa, I mean, uh, and once again, you have to understand it in its cultural setting, uh, honor and respect uh, were, were highly, highly, uh, you know, a, a value within each and every one of those homes that was instilled in those homes. And so that was, that was something, but, but Scripture says that Jacob did something with that word that Joseph said. He said he thought about it. He, he, he pondered it. And and I imagine Jacob remembered there was a time where where he was rebellious and where he was insubordinate, where, you know, he was a deceiver. As a matter of fact, the scripture said he actually had had the title of a supplanter. I mean, he he manipulated and coerced things so that they always came out where he was the most favored. And now and now, you know, here's one of his sons and he's he's probably pondering and thinking, you know, or is this some of the seed that I sowed as a young man and. And, you know, had to consider maybe what Joseph was was con, uh, uh, communicating to him. And so that those were the words that the psalmist is saying, you know, until those words came to pass, notice God's word, which is greater than the testimony of Joseph, tested him. 
And there can be dreams and desires and, and you know, really godly dreams and desires that God put in you. And you, you proclaim them, you hold on to them, you confess them. And until they come to pass, guess what? God's word is going to test us. God's word is going to test us because God's word is forever settled. And there's a series of tests and a series of times and seasons that that Joseph has to walk through in order for the word of the Lord to come to pass in his life. There's going to be no shortcuts. We talked last week that there can be some detours and, and God's leading us around things and protecting us. But when we start taking shortcuts, we short circuit the process of God. So uh, as we as we read through and uh, sort of follow the journey of Joseph, which is Genesis 37 through 50, we discover this truth that the Lord was faithful to him through all the times and seasons of his life without exception. And we also see that in times of testing, Joseph was not tested beyond his level of maturity And before every test came, there was an opportunity or a season of preparation to make Joseph ready. So here's a rhetorical question. Have you ever taken a test in life more than once? Can I get an amen? Can I get a witness? Can we have physical expression? All right, here we go. So uh, if we don't get it the first time, there will be an opportunity to take that test again. The key is to pay attention that you're actually being prepared to pass the test. Don't interpret it that God is setting you up to fail. God is setting you up to go forward. God is setting you up to succeed. So if you don't like the way that you responded to the first test that you have, and you can name any one of of a dozen different kinds of tests, and, and here in a moment we're going to be talking about a stewardship test, but... You could say the pride test, the purity test. You could say the prosperity test. You know, there's a lot of different tests, the trust test that we take in life. If you didn't like the way that you responded and didn't feel like it was good or godly, then prepare and God will make you ready. That, that's part of what this series is about is that God is so patient with us. He prepares us for what he has prepared for us. So when we think of the title, I want you to envision that God is actually tutoring you to triumph. That, that He brings you into His classroom. He's the instructor through the Holy Spirit. Uh, the text is His Word, and the Word of God will test and prove and help us to pass each test in life. And and we can rely and we can trust in him. And we see examples of this over and over and over again in Scripture. So we're primarily looking at Joseph. And uh, and I hope as you read through his life and sort of journey with him that you're encouraged that God is truly faithful. Genesis chapter 39. Are you guys ready? It says, Now Joseph had been taken uh, taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought uh, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. And then he made him overseer of his house, 
and all that he had, he put under his authority. Notice the process there. And so it was that from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in his house and all and, 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 and in the field. And verse 6, then he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things, say times and seasons. So verses 1 through 6 is a season where, where you know, uh, Joseph is now, uh, you know, been sold to Potiphar, Potiphar, a very powerful person uh, within his community. He was the, the captain of the guards of Pharaoh. And so everyone came and gave an account to Potiphar as far as he was head of security that oversaw all of Pharaoh's, uh, 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 you know, outbuildings and, and just kept him like his bodyguard and, and his entourage. That's that was Potiphar's responsibility was protect and to keep Pharaoh safe. And so he's a very powerful, very influential man. And, and because he was, he was a person, we would say probably with a military background, he knew that in order to, to put someone in a position where you could trust them, you had to first prove them. You know, no one goes from a buck private to, to uh, a sergeant. You know, you have to become you know, a first class something, second, and then, and, and then a corporal, and then you get to be a sergeant. And so during this first six verses, we see there's a process where, uh, you know, Potiphar is observing, he's paying attention, he's seeing how, how Joseph is, is interacting, handling responsibilities, and then, and then he finds, well, I'm going to give you oversight of this, I'm going to give you oversight of this. And, and so during this times and seasons, even though Joseph is estranged from his family, he's probably wondering, how his dad is doing, he's, he's pondering, you know, what did I do to get here? And yet the Lord is with him, he's, he's finding favor, he's successful. Scripture even categorizes him as prospering or blessed of the Lord. And, and, and now Potiphar's house is getting the overflow of the blessing of the Lord that's coming uh, through Joseph onto his fields and, and onto his facilities. And, and you and I, when we're walking, when we're walking with the Lord in an upright way, the blessing of the Lord transfers from you, you know, to others. It transfers into your family. It transfers into your work environment. It transfers, and when you go shopping, I mean, there is something about the blessing of the Lord because God loves everyone, and everyone He wants to He wants them to experience His blessing. So, verse seven says, "And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph." And she said, lie with me. Now, she wasn't after him until, you know, all of a sudden one day, you know, this season opened up. I mean, she didn't go after him when he was a low-level servant. I mean, she she didn't try to, you know, cast longing eyes and to seduce him in that season. Uh, you know, there was a season of promotion. And then what? The enemy was going to come and try to... It was a time of testing, try to take Joseph out. And then it says, but he refused and he said to his master's wife, look, he says, hey, listen here. He said, my master does not know what is what is with me in the house and he has committed all that he has into my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept me back from from anything, uh, kept back any uh, anything from me but you. 
because you're his wife. And then how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So we, we see he's, he's, he's maturing in his thinking and, and, you know, he's processing things like, you know, this is, this is not only wrong because you're his wife. This is wrong because this is towards God. And then he says in verse 10, and so it was as he spoke to Joseph, as, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her, just trying to wear him down. And But it happened about this time, ever say this time, when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were inside. Now, uh, one of the things that I've taught you guys throughout the years, the devil is an opportunist. But you don't have you don't have to fall into his traps. And so... It says, and she caught him by his garments, verse 12, saying, lie with me. But he left his garments in her hands and he fled and he ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hands and had fled outside that she called to the men of her house and she spoke to them saying, see, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came into me to lie with me and I cried out with a loud, with a loud voice and it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out, that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. And so she kept his garment with her until her master came home. She's fabricating evidence. And then she came to him with words like these, saying, the Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came into me to mock me. And so it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. And so it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him, put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prisoner. So uh, a couple of things here that, that we can learn and sort of glean is that the book of Proverbs says that one man seems wise till another man speaks. And so there was just one side of the story that was being presented. And then the second side of this is that that and and all of us have been guilty of it. And if you're guilty like me of this, you can raise both hands. And if you're if your dexterity allows you, you can put both feet up at the same time or do one at a time. But is is that Potiphar made a decision without hearing the whole case? But secondly, Potiphar made a decision, a very major decision that affected a man's life based on someone's subjective conversation, emotional conversation. His wife is emotional and she's emotional, but it's all a lie. It's fabricated. And and Joseph didn't have an opportunity to say anything, to do anything. He was just put right into prison. And then it says, amazing, amazing. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all that the prisoners, uh, all the prisoners who were in the prison, whatever they did there, it was his doing. And the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. So in this time, in this season of testing, you know, we can we can see a lot in chapter 39. But I, I want to remind you of these three truths. Number one is God gives us time to be ready for each test that we face in life. God is faithful. He he allows us that time and he prunes us and polishes us 
so that we can pass the test. God allows us to be stretched in order to strengthen our dependency on him. And we can say his grace is sufficient. The the doctrine of suffering, if you really want to understand the doctrine of suffering in the New Testament, is Jesus suffered and therefore in like manner we should prepare ourselves to suffer. Not in the same way, but according to the same manner. In other words, he did what was right and suffered for it. And so we can see in the life of Joseph. Sometimes you do what's right and you and it's and you don't always get the result the way that you wanted it to happen. Has that happened to you? You did what was right, what was honorable. Joseph fled, he ran, he he got away from from that temptation. He fled the very appearance of evil, and yet evil was spoken of him. And and here Here's a, a, these important lessons that we're learning in these tests and, and, and we're gleaning it from the life of Joseph. But I, I want to remind you that, that these tests are not exclusive to Joseph. They happen to us. Uh, they've occurred to each and every one of us in, in some way or form or fashion or to some degree. We can identify with this and that's why God's word is so valuable is it's, it's Joseph but it's us. Now, I, I want to present something to you just as a, as a thought, a, a bigger thought in the life of Joseph is that, you know, Jesus read about the life of Joseph. And as a young boy, when he read about all the things that Joseph encountered and went through, there were over 60 parallels in the life of Joseph that line up with the life of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus was encountering life and all the tests and all of the things that were going on, including suffering, he could recall the life of Joseph and how God turned everything for good. Someone may amend it for evil. Someone may amend it for harm. Someone may amend it for destruction. There could have been an intent on someone's behalf to actually bring destruction. But notice what Joseph found Joseph found mercy. Do you know mercy triumphs over judgment? And, and when we get into a position in our own head or our own heart or our own life where we want a pound of flesh, then we're probably on the wrong path as far as being governed by the Spirit. It gets quiet when you start talking like this. Does that mean you're thinking, you're processing, you're pondering? Can I get an amen that you might be doing one of those three? Right, amen. The story really is an encouraging story because I believe that as Jesus understood the faithfulness of God, he could commit his life into the hands of the Lord, knowing that no matter what the injustices were, no matter what the trump charges were, no matter what the lies that were fabricated against him, that on the third day he would rise from the grave. That's why he could commit his hands into the hands of the Lord. And and I I think that's a valuable lesson that he took from the life of Joseph. And then God uses every season of life to help us to mature and to grow. He's a good steward of every season of our life. And he wants us to be a good steward of every season of our life. Pruning and polishing are the process of God. Isn't that yippee-yay-yay? Well, every master gardener in here knows that the only reason that you prune is because you want it 
the plant to be more productive. And, and, and everyone in here understands if you've worked with stone or with wood and you're polishing that, that material, it's so that it enhances the beauty. Uh, how many woodworkers do we have in here? Or even if you had, you know, high school shop class and, and you're building a project and, and you're sanding this project and every time you sand and then put water on it and then because it's a forest material, the wood is, it, it all of a sudden, all of the, it, it rises up again, it, you know, it expands and, and then you polish it again and pretty soon you put water on it and there's not as much expansion. What are you getting down to? You're getting down to the real beauty of that wood. And then when you begin to polish it and to seal it and to finish it, you have a beautiful piece of furniture. But it has to go through the process of being polished and we have to go through that process and God continues to prepare us for what He has prepared for us. There is a path and there's times and seasons in this. And, and, and if you want to, to try to make it to happen quicker, uh, it might happen slower. <laughs> I know, isn't that just like, come on God, just do it my way. Would you just, just do it my way and, and just this one time in this one area, just, you know, wink, wink between me and you. I, I, I won't ask you ever to do it again, but, and he's like, no. <laughs> because his ways are so much better than our ways. And, and you have to hear that no as in, as in, you know, some people hear like he's not doing anything. He's not helping me. He's not working. Yeah, he is. He's, he's pruning and he's polishing. And, and Joseph's story tells us that. So, while time is what God uses to keep everything from happening at once, times and seasons or timing are what God uses to accomplish His will and purpose for our lives. If God places us somewhere prematurely, then then we're probably not going to be able to fulfill, fulfill the purpose for where He's going to place us. If we place ourselves someone someplace prematurely or just out of, you know, our own will or determination, we're going to have to keep ourselves there. You know, uh, one of my pastors says, Doug, if you promote yourself, you have to keep yourself promotable. And I can't. Promotion comes from the Lord. If God doesn't promote, promotion isn't worth accepting. But, but listen to me. God wants us to be promotable. God is preparing us for promotion. God, the whole process is so that, that we can experience more. We can have more. We can handle more. And we won't let more get into our head. We won't let more bug us or wig us out or, or cause us to miss out on God's best. But more would be something that we would handle out of gratitude, appreciation, and grace. So just as God is a good steward, we need to be good stewards of the time that He gives us. We need to trust that his timing is perfect. And, and that's a big test. Have you discovered that man's ways and God's ways are not synonymous? It's not potato, potato. Man's ways are ease and convenience. That's, that's just our default mode. That's just the flesh. Why? So that we can reach our desired goals without ever being stretched. But purpose 
and glory are how the Lord helps us to reach his desire for our life. And it's not our glory, but it's him. Because scripture says no flesh should glory in his presence. If we're promoted prematurely, somehow we think that we've earned it. We're entitled to it. Isn't that a big word in today's culture? We're entitled to it. We deserve it. Genesis 39 begins and ends by sharing that the Lord's presence was with Joseph, that he was successful, that the Lord blessed and prospered all that Joseph put his hand to, and that the favor of the Lord was upon him. Those are very significant things that are are noted about Joseph. So what is it that we see in Joseph that caused him to be successful? What caused him to prosper, to be blessed, or to experience the Lord's favor? I think there's four keys. I've shared this. It was many years ago, but let me share this with you. The key to God's blessing or his prosperity in our life is the presence of the Lord. If you're a note taker, there's four keys that I want to share with you. The first key is the key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. The key to the presence of the Lord is obedience. The key to obedience is faith. And the key to faith is hearing the word of God. So if I wanted to do that in reverse order, I would say, when we hear the word of God, we have faith to obey, which leads us into his presence, which causes us to prosper. It's a process. And every one of us goes through it. Let me go back to the doctrine of suffering. The doctrine of suffering is what Peter wrote about in his letters. Suffering for doing what's right. Suffering for righteousness sake. Suffering for the purpose of the kingdom. Jesus even said, you and I are blessed when people say all manner of evil against us for his name's sake. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Suffering in the flesh to strive to walk after the spirit is called dying to self so we can be alive to him. That That's the pruning, that's the polishing. God doesn't say that there's not going to be suffering. God promises in the suffering, he's at work. He's the fourth man in the fire if we wanted to throw in a little illustration in that way. He is always with us. So the Lord is with us. The Lord has prospered and blessed us. And the Lord favors us. Those are three truths that, that we know. But why is it sometimes that we're not experiencing the manifested presence of God, the blessing of the Lord or his favor? I think it's because we don't understand the process and sometimes we reject or or even run from it. But in order to experience his presence, his blessing or prosperity and his favor, We have to understand that God has entrusted us with many things. And he's watching us. And this is the stewardship test. The stewardship test is faithful with another's before you're given your own. Faithful with another's before you're given your own. Secondly, faithful with little before you're entrusted with much. Faithful with little before you're entrusted with more. This is why the home 
is where the human heart is formed. Because it's in the home that children learn to respect and show honor and respect to authority. It's in the home that children learn to take care of another's. It's in a home where children learn to be faithful with a little. And when they pass those tests in the home, they will pass those tests in life. They'll pass those tests in life. So we think it's just and right and prudent or, or wise as parents that we wouldn't give the keys to our vehicle to a 12-year-old. Maybe on the back 40 with an old tractor that can go five miles an hour. We will have an exception there, you know. But they usually, kid, farm kids, we use that as an example. They start on someone's lap. Grandpa's lap, dad's lap, and uncle's lap, and, you know, grabbing the steering wheel and, and not, you know, taking, uh, you know, too many liberties there. But they're not given full control. Until they've been trained, until they go to class, until they've been out on the street with other people, until they can, uh, you know, parallel park. How many of you love that one? Parallel park. Three points. Yeah. Side, back, up. There you go. Sounds easy, but sometimes it's very, very difficult. But you, you have to have that before they probably hand you your driver's license. And so there's a, a whole season and a time where no one's trying to keep you from driving. They're trying to help you to be prepared so that you're protected and so is everybody else. There's a, there's a stewarding issue there. Psalms 105 verse 19 says, Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. I want us to make this confession this morning and uh, and and to do so. I mean, you've been sitting for a couple minutes, so I want to invite you just to stand and and change posture, change positions. And and I want you to just uh, close your eyes and just focus your attention and your adoration upon the Lord for a minute. And let's make this confession based on the message that we've heard, the things that we're gleaning from chapter thirty nine uh, the, the, the things that the Holy Spirit is personalizing. Uh, would you say this after me? Dear Heavenly Father, I commit my times and seasons into your hands. I love you and believe your plans and purposes for my life are what is best. Thank you for working all things together for good. May I be found a faithful steward in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.